Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pickle Jar Podcast. I'm so excited to bring you our guest episode today. I have Helen today who's going to share with us her diagnosis with adrenal insufficiency with primary Addison's disease in July of 2023. So just a few short months ago, she is going to share with us how this sneaky little disease creeped in over time and kind of, you know, you know, gave her that feeling of hopelessness um, and, you know, just wondering what was going on with her body. And, you know, you know, she's 50 years old. She lives in England. And like most of us, you know, you know, it's human nature to rack it up to, you know, age change. I'm tired. I'm busy. And, um, you know, kind of push off symptoms, but she's going to share with us her journey. And she's got a unique little twist to her story as well that I know you are going to find very interesting. So Helen, thank you so much for joining us today. And how are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. It's 8am here in Canada. And I know it's early afternoon for you here. in Yes. Yes. And um, I'm so excited that we finally connected and we can share your story because it truly is you know, as I say, with all of our guest episodes, there's so many, they're so special and so unique. Um, but at the same time, they're all the same. And yes. all of our episodes validate something for our listeners. So thank you for taking your time and coming here today. with us. Thank you for having me. It's it's nice to speak to you and do this after listening to so many of your podcasts. And well, um, I've learned a lot from listening well, to them. So. <laughs> well thank you I appreciate that and that's why we we are both here because I know you are already very um passionate about getting the word out about adrenal insufficiency and and yeah. and, sh- and sharing that so um yeah. so let's if we can so let's go back to pre pre Addison's days so let's go back about 10 years ago and tell us a little bit about you know you know how you're feeling kind of your activity your lifestyle and um kind of what was going on in your world then yeah, so um, so ten years ago, so my girls were a lot younger then, um, sort of seven and five, <laughs> um, and I was uh, well, just a little bit before then, I was training um, for the Birmingham Half Marathon. So, and I was weight training as well, um, but just kept hitting a wall. <laughs> so I'd have a few weeks off, go again. Um, and then I finally did do the, the Birmingham marathon, the half marathon. Um, but it it was it was a hard slog. Um, but you just think because you're busy and, uh, you know, you've got children and, you know, keeping the house going and everything that uh, you just think you're doing too much and or you're not eating the right things, and you know, enough to keep you going. Um, so I remember hitting a few walls then. Um then gradually sort of as time goes on you sort of pick up carry on um I had a few illnesses where I wasn't recovering very well um and at the start of Covid just before Covid hit here uh, I had a time where I was literally in bed for two weeks um it took me over a month to recover uh we thought it was Covid but at the time now looking back I'm wondering if it was uh, the Addison's starting to come in there um, I just couldn't keep anything down going to the toilet was seeing things crawling up the walls and uh, I it just felt like I was dying really um the the paramedics came and they said that I needed some salt so I was very dehydrated but they wouldn't take me into hospital so my husband gave me some salts and sugars and luckily I started picking up but it took me 
a long time to recover from that. Um, but even before then, a couple of weeks before, I was starting to struggle to walk, take the dog a walk and things, but but then picked up, carried on with life, um, then started, which could be could still be my hormones, about two years ago. Um, so started on HRT as I was feeling extremely tired. Um, and then uh, Christmas 2022, um, I got diagnosed with glaucoma um, through low blood pressure. Um, the optician spotted it and then I went to see a specialist who'd previously done my cataracts uh, for me um, because it had an anomaly in the right eye and he suspected I was dipping low at night. Um, so in the January of this year, I had a 24-hour blood pressure test, which confirmed that I was dropping low at night. Um, so then the hunt was on to try and find out what was causing the low blood pressure. Um, but obviously by this time, I was getting extremely tired. I was on an awful lot of um, estrogen um, because I said I, I obviously wasn't absorbing it very well. So I was on, um, towards the end, I was on a 100-gram patch plus about five or six pumps of gel as well um, because I kept upping it because I kept feeling tired. Then I'd feel okay for a few weeks, then drop back down, and then so they'd up it again. Um, but it, it, from the January after the blood pressure test, um, they sent away for me to see an endocrinologist um, locally. I didn't hear anything back. Um, this was April, so I chased it up. Uh, spoke to his secretary there, and uh, she said she'd have a word with him. I explained what had happened and that I was on um, fludrocortisone at the time to try and keep my blood pressure up because obviously we didn't want my eyesight to deteriorate anymore. Um, she spoke to him, and then I had we went away for a couple of days, came back to a letter on the doormat saying that there was no evidence for high or low blood pressure causing glaucoma. It wasn't an endocrinology issue, and he basically advised the doctor to take me off my medication um, and just basically left me there, really. Um, so when I spoke to the doctor, you know, he was stuck really because he couldn't keep going against what the specialist had said even though I'd never seen a specialist or spoken to him so I went back to my eye specialist and uh, told him and he did a letter for the doctor to keep me on the medication whilst we tried to sort out why my blood pressure was dropping um, and I looked for another endocrinologist online I emailed him told him what had happened and he said he thought he could help me um, so I went to see him in May this year he um, did some blood tests then decided he needed to do a snack them test so I had to come off all my HRT yep. for about four to six weeks and um, then they did the snack them test which was awful <laughs> it's not a pleasant experience having that when you, you, you sort of I'd already had a few little episodes of um, not feeling very good right. and sort of, you know, not being able to move. Obviously, it was the start of a crisis, but didn't realise what it was. My breathing was going and things and having the snack and test, it was a familiar feeling. It just put me back there back again. Back into that state again. Yeah, yeah. I was shaking and not feeling very good at all. 
well and then um and we talked about before for like that that feeling of um what a lot of us describe it all as you just feel that that hopelessness and that kind of overwhelming feeling and I hate to use this word but like it's like a death feeling and it's just feel that that deep 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 struggle inside your body and that and is that kind of what mean you were experiencing you knew you were going back to that state and you yeah I I know personally when I get in that state you can just I feel this fear inside of my body and I can feel that it's like a panic in my soul trying to struggle and so you felt you knew you were kind of going back into that yeah yeah find out exactly what was going on yeah yeah which they said oh you know it probably won't when they sort of said you know how are you feeling when they were doing the test I told them and they said oh it's probably nerves and I thought probably probably is with all the tests and blood tests and that they're doing before and after and that and obviously being in the hospital as well um but yeah it it, um Four weeks later, um, in July, 19th of July, I was diagnosed with Addison's. So then it's always be careful what you wish for. I wanted to <laughs> get sorted out for the glaucoma, but didn't expect to, to get that as well. But I was lucky to get a diagnosis, I suppose, as quickly um, yeah. because you see people that have gone on for a long time without anything um, but although I look back and when I go back to, you know, 10 years ago, I could see it was obviously starting to creep in there when you recognise the signs, um, you yeah. know, and you, you, you know, those feelings, what they are, it's, uh, you know, yeah. you're right. And I think it's with any chronic illness, when you've gone through the diagnosis journey, when it's when you look back and can reflect, you can pinpoint exactly the progression and realizing what you thought was just life and these little small changes, but these little small changes slowly add up and it's yeah. your body fighting and your body. I mean, the body's an amazing thing and your glands, although they failed us <laughs> in the end, they, they fought really, really hard for us for yeah. a very, very long time. And yeah. when you look back from what I understand, what, you know, and I'm not a medical professional, but from what I I've been told and what I've tried to learn is that, you know, these adrenal glands are so amazing that it sounds like you were going through, you know, you know, you know, whether it was started when you were 40 or even before that, these little swings of like, yeah. you couldn't recover from, you know, you know, the cold, you were hitting walls, things were just starting to change. You needed salt. Like there, you know, yeah. there's, you know, a, a big thing right there when you, when you got sick that one time, um, you know, you're yeah. kind of on that pendulum of you couldn't, the adrenal glands couldn't, you know, they had a fight to take care of you. And then once they kicked back in, you were okay for a little bit, but then your yeah. time slowly got longer and longer. Um, yeah. and then, um, and then eventually, you know, it sounds like your blood pressure was one of the things that was dramatically af- affected initially. Um, yeah. and this is why it's so important for, you know, everyone, especially if you think you have something to be proactive with all your symptoms, you know, you going in for your yeah. glaucoma, you know, sounds like it saved your life. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm just right. hoping I can get that under control um, and that it doesn't sort of progress. Right, and anymore. and lucky that you had an eye specialist that was, you know, yeah. caring and knowledgeable. 
yeah, um, yeah. sounds like more knowledgeable this is the twist to the story you know more knowledgeable than the endocrinologist yeah he, so- he was the one who was sort of there to to back me up and um he was fighting from my corner he went to above and beyond to do I mean obviously all thanks to my optician for spotting it in the first place um because I had to have two tests because I wasn't sure if there was something wrong with the the computer when they did the field vision test so I had to go back on another day at a different time um and then she you know there, there was nothing coming through off the NHS for an appointment um she said I think you need to get it try and get it checked as soon as you can so um, she knew I'd been to see uh, this gentleman before for, for my cataracts and that. So I, I asked him if he would see me and, and he, he agreed to see me. So, and he, he did the tests again. And So obviously if we can just take a step back. So you've had issues, eye issues in the past then that you've been following? I was, um, since I was sort of seven or eight, I've, um, I started wearing glasses for reading and then, my eyesight got worse it went through uh, about seven years where it was changing an awful lot so in the end it was a minus 13 in one eye minus 15 in the other so it was, I was very short-sighted um, and then I actually got cataracts um, how old was I about 43 um, and he said if, if that said if I didn't get them done with my left eye I would lose my sight within the year with my left eye so um, so we 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 I got them done um, and then thought that was it. It was great not to wear glasses or contact lenses and <laughs> and then had the 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 anomaly with with my eye and right now yeah. and then so the anomaly with your eye, how did you mentioned that they did like a a twenty four hour blood pressure test? Yeah, yeah, so how, exactly how did that work? because I've never heard of that, and that might be something that you know somebody you know, listening that if they're going through a diagnosis, it might be, you know, all of our bodies respond differently as we lose these hormones, right? So how, yeah, how yeah. did that for you? So it's, it's, um, it's a bit like a blood pressure testing, obviously, it's, it's attached to you, um, you have it sort of belted on um, with a, with a machine, and they had it going off, I think it was every hour, or every half hour throughout the day, and then they changed it to every hour at night. But I, it was starting to go off at night about three times because it couldn't get a reading. Apparently, they said, um, so it was going off quite a bit through the night as well. And then I had to go back to the hospital. They took it off, and I think it has like a SIM card or something in it, which okay. they send away, and they get the results through. Right. Okay. From that. So you wear it all day and, and through the night while you're sleeping. Um, and I tried to just do normal things like I went on my exercise bike and obviously couldn't do weight training with it really. <laughs> it's a bit awkward, but I thought, well, I'll try and just push it and do right. do as much as I can with it so they're getting the true effect rather than just sitting around and not doing a lot. Well, um, no, no, exactly. You want to be in your natural environment to reflect exactly what's going on with your body, right? So Yeah, yeah. But no, that gave you some really good answers. And, and even you saying, um, you know, it wasn't getting a reading at night. Your blood pressure was going so low when I was pregnant with my son, which was oh, 10 years before I was diagnosed when I was pregnant with him. There is definitely signs looking back because I went to a specialist because my blood pressure was dropping so low. They couldn't get a reading off of it. And uh, so, and I think it was just, it was that 
that sneaky little illness kind of creeping in. It was showing itself. And then my body yeah. was, my body was amazing and it figured out and how, how to survive. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, when I, when I look back when I was a teenager, um, well, sort of late, late teens, I've always had this issue with my blood pressure dropping. If I didn't eat when I should do, um, I just was told it was just one of those things they'd done my, my glucose, uh, they'd done the tests and things. And they said, oh, you're just one of those people, you know, that I just kept thinking it was my sugars. Um, but I've always had that and had to grab some chocolate or something to sort of yeah. pick me back up. And then I'd be fine. But um, over the years, I've not found any problem with my glucose. But this year, I've had it where I, I kept needing to go to the toilet, kept feeling very thirsty. Um, and it never twigged to me. I had a couple of scars, which were very dark. Um, they take a long time to heal, and they're very dark. And he said, when I went to see the second endocrinologist, he said to me, you know, have you got any dark patches? I didn't really think about it with the scars. But I've actually got dirty knees <laughs> and I was scrubbing them thinking they were sort of dark at the below the bottom of my knee and I kept scrubbing them with an owl brush and they wouldn't come clean <laughs> kept thinking what's on earth and, and never never twigged at all um and obviously now <laughs> I'm thinking oh yes but you know <laughs> no and you're right and it's so easy with stuff like this because things slowly progress and you yeah. you don't realize that it's a symptom of something you know, no, I know no. I personally think of when you think of symptoms, it's like, oh, you get the flu, you have, you know, it presents itself and you have these 10 things or whatever it is that these are your symptoms. But when you have a chronic illness, it's this here and this here. And unless the specialist, the people, you know, who we hope knows this information, you know, tells us and asks us questions, we not might not realize that dirty knees are a symptoms or the changing of yeah. the scars or um, I had, you know, the lines in my hands went really dark. Um, and we don't, we don't realize those things. So, so one thing, you know, I can suggest to people if they're going through this diagnosis journey, one thing my doctor told, told me is everything's a symptom. So you, you give every information and if you can, um, in a smart, healthy way, Google <laughs> and find <laughs> out things, yeah. um, um, you know, educate yourself as much as possible so that you can find out those, those little details to share, because they might be important pieces of the puzzle um, yeah, in your yeah. diagnosis. So was there anything you had the dirty knees, the scars? Um, you, did you have salt cravings? Like, did you have any of the looking back? Are there any other? Yeah, I, I didn't actually realize it at the time, because obviously it creeps up on you and you start changing bits and pieces and you haven't realized you're doing it. Um, but I was starting to, I was going to the gym and I was sweating excessively, which I never do. And again, I thought, oh, it's just my hormones and my age. Um, but I was just literally coming out ringing with sweat. Um, or just do a little bit and I would start sweating profusely, which was really not me to do that. Um, and just, I, I was doing my weights. Um, and when I look back at my logbook that I kept a record of my weights and everything, it was gradually going, my reps and my weights were going down and down and down over time. Um, but it, was, it wasn't until I stopped and looked back later on that it was quite shocking, really, um, how much they'd started to to go down and kept thinking, you know, what's wrong with me? Maybe it's just not for me anymore. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting too old. Um, but obviously it, it was there and I'd come out sometimes 
feeling like death, really. Um, I remember going into the toilet the once that I was getting a bit heightened with smells as well. There was, they cleaned the toilet with something and I was nearly physically sick. I had to just get out because of the smell in the, the gym toilet, right. which was very bizarre. Um, it's just really strange things. Um, but when you said about the salt, the endocrinologist asked me that and I said no not really but then when I come home and spoke to my daughter she said well you do eat salty things like salty caramel flavors and those type of things and I was having salt on a lot of my food and I hadn't just hadn't connected the dots with it at all it's well I know earlier you mentioned like just how how you you slowly adjusted like you knew you had to eat certain things to feel well and mm-hmm. um and I think that's one of the things you know cravings are amazing and when you can be in tune to your body it can keep you well and keep you healthy and that's something that's key I think for um, management of this illness as well is um yeah. it's the planning and it's the organization and it's you know it's the food it's it's giving our body what it needs because it's not just about the pill it's not just about the hydrocortisone or whatever steroid you're mm-hmm. taking to manage um that's just part of it and yeah i really think key for me is you know learning to manage all the other stuff and that's how you know i say the pills the tablets i use the pump all that stuff that keeps us alive that keeps us yeah. breathing that keeps us functioning that keeps our blood pressure up um if we want to live and have a life we need to work on all the other stuff. We need to work on the nutrition. We need to listen to our body. We need to exercise. We need to take care of ourselves. We need the eye appointments. Um, And yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. work. So what kind of things, um, you know, since your diagnosis, how have you been feeling and what kind of things do you do? Are you doing right now too? Because I know you're doing things to be proactive. So what kind of things are you doing to, um, to take care of yourself and to have a quality of life that you deserve? So I try and eat um, every couple of hours. Um, I have like a meal plan that I try and stick to, uh, you know, I stick to as much as possible. Um, And I have started probably for the last just over a month, started doing some weights at home um, and just gradually building on that. I want to get back to the gym. It's been nearly four months now, which is hard, but I just know that I've just, I couldn't deal with the gym at the moment. It would just be too much. Unfortunately, I, I thought, oh, six weeks, I'll be back there. And um, But if you push it too much, I found we went for a walk a bit further the other day and I started feeling it and I thought I shouldn't have done this. Um, and that's when I started my crisis on the night time. Um, so it's just very frustrating when you're used to just doing things all the time and you just can't you know if you push it too much out in the garden and (laughs) get carried away it'll bite your backside again and just remind you even if you feel great doing it um it usually gets you after yeah it's hard um it's a big learning curve to try and slow down um sometimes I feel accepting of it and other times I'm I'll I'll try and fight against it really and try and push myself a bit more, but then it will usually get me back then. Yeah. And I think, I I think you're right. Like that. It's one of those things that, you know, part of this illness is like you said, you feel well, so you're doing things, you, 
you're out, you're out for a walk. And we don't have a way to know when, if you say like we cross that line kind of thing. And that's one of the hard thing I have cha challenging things that I have to explain to people that it's like, you know, I can just be out doing something. And then all of a sudden it's like, you step over that line yeah. and everybody just goes, yeah, you know what? We're done. Yeah. You're, you're back to that. You know what you described earlier, that kind of that emptiness, that hopelessness that just kind of drains your body and you're just kind of lifeless. Yeah. And I just can't now. <laughs> it's like, you know, what do I do? What do I do? Um, yeah. It, you can feel like you're a little bit drunk as well. I think yes, sometimes yeah. if you get that tired, um, I find I can't I can't really speak very well um, I'll start slurring and uh, as I start going into a crisis my hands will shake or my legs will go if I'm starting to feel tired my hand will start twitching um, that's one of the signs my family's better at spotting it usually than I am when I started twitching I try and hide it and think it will go and I, it's fine it'll go but it, I, I need to get myself to do something about it and not just think it will go because once my hand starts going that's that's your I need to do something yeah, yeah. I, have a, I, have a, I have a right eye that twitches <laughs> so usually, usually when my right eye twitches and I, I I get a limp sometimes when I'm really bad I get a limp on my right side so um <laughs> but you're right it's, it's very much learning how our body when that cortisol or the sodium or whatever, you know, our body's struggling with at the moment, trying to maintain. And, um, you know, I have similar patterns, but sometimes they're different all the time too, as well. They're, you know, but, yeah. but I think there are key things for us that if we listen to our bodies and learn and you're right, it's, it's, it's a challenge to jump on those symptoms. And, and it's a challenge because we don't have the tools to measure and to know, or we don't even have, specialists to be able to tell us you know when this yeah. happens you know some That's of us some, yeah. some some give us guidelines but but a lot of them are I think more lost than what we are <laughs> because yes. because we at least live with it every day and yeah and we can learn from trial and error and and to me the key is if people haven't um checked out like the self-help group in the UK it's absolutely amazing you can YouTube some of their videos and go to their website and it's so knowledgeable and they are so proactive about, you know, listening to your body yeah. um, and updosing and learning how to updose and taking that extra little bit and reminding us that, you know, steroids aren't going to kill us. The lack of steroids are going to kill us. Exactly. And, and, and yeah. how important that is. So please, please check them out. So um, yeah, they're, they're brilliant. I, I'm on the forum um, and just bought some Christmas cards from them, actually, oh, to spread good. the word. Um, they're, they're brilliant and they're very helpful. And, uh, you know, you can email them as well because um, obviously there's sometimes issues with getting the hydrocortisone and things or, you know, if the, the, the certain chemists that if they order go for one type and it's not the right serial number or um whatever they call it um they're very helpful like that they've been a godsend and obviously there's other sites on facebook as well which uh you know are, are very good as well to speak to like-minded people and yeah 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 but it, it's like you say about you know a lot of the specialists i mean i was very um grateful that um 
mine diagnosed me um but this there's so many people out there and they just go by a textbook and you're not a textbook everybody's different everybody needs a different amount depending on what they're doing and how their body uses it and a lot of the specialists don't understand that because they're reading out of a book and it's it's not it it doesn't work like that and it's very frustrating and I find some of it's very archaic they're not up to date with their information and I think they need to speak to people with Addison's to find out what it's really like to understand it. Um, and that's a shame, really, yeah. that yeah. there's these specialists and yeah. they're giving out sort of dangerous information, um, uh, which is not good. <laughs> and, you know, I 100% agree with you. Um, you know, we're all at the mercy of lack of knowledge. We're all at the, you know, some of these endocrinologists are, they want to help, but they just don't have the information. And, no. and then it's, then it's like anything in life. Then, then you have, um, you know, some that just don't want to know and don't want to put the effort towards it, but there are yeah. a lot out there that, that, that want to know. And, yes. and that's where, you know, I think, you know, the self-help group in the UK is amazing, you know, yes. podcasts help just getting the knowledge out there and, and just slowly building. And we got to start on the ground for, floor. And like you said, I think, you know, you, you hit you hit it perfectly saying you know what they need to speak to us yeah and that's the only way they're going to learn and when they hear our stories over and over again and um and like I said it's different but the same yes you know we're all we're all telling the same information I need to updose I need this I need this I need this this is how I feel um they're going to notice the trends and they're going to build the knowledge and I think it's just because that voice hasn't been there um in the past and that's been you know technology is amazing that we have the internet now and we can do things like that that, yeah um, you know before that we were kind of you know crippled by not being able to connect and and now and now we have this power which is I hope it's going to change it's a massive yeah improve all of our quality lives and and it's going to save lives as well Yes. Yeah. And obviously people like yourself, you know, that do the podcasts and YouTube and it, it gets it gets the information out there and, and for people to see that you're not alone. You know, there are other people struggling with it. It's not you that's just going through this or the symptoms that you're going through. You're not the only one. There are others out there that have have the same thing or some have multiple issues as well (laughs) some of us might have multiple issues later on um you know uh, but yeah it's um it's just getting the words out there and and uh helping people and they're they're not alone (laughs) well you've truly been um it sounds like you're you're starting to heal you're giving your body a chance to heal and get back into routine. Yeah. You're doing it gently and lovingly to yourself. You've had some ups and downs, um, which, yeah, it's just part of part of the ride that we're on now. We're gonna have ups yes. and downs, and yeah. and um, and I always say, as you start to heal and start to get stronger again, you know, we naturally do more. We want to return to our our, our regular yeah. lives, and and then, but like you said, there's always going to be a little bit of a price that we're going to pay. Yeah. Um, 
right? Because we're going to push a little bit too much. We're going to drop a little bit low. We're going to get tired. Life is always changing. Life is always evolving. Um, I find, you know, the change of seasons change. We're coming, you know, up into a holiday season. The busyness of the holidays affects us. Um, So many things that we can't um, explain to people, but we can understand when we connect um, our illnesses to, to know that, that we're not alone on, on that, that feeling that we feel. (laughs) And I'm speaking to you today. Um, you know, I've been going through that again, the last week or so where I just kind of get that stillness where I sit on the couch and it's like, you know, I can't even blink my eyes. My body is so still and it's just trying to conserve just to breathe. And yeah, but it's, it's so nice to know that. And actually this weekend I sat on the couch and, and I was getting kind of overwhelmed by it. And I just thought of everyone that I've had. I'm so honored that I've been able to connect with so many people. Um, and I just thought of all of you guys. And I thought, you know, I, I know you guys are out there. <laughs> <laughs> somebody Still sitting on their couch. Along. There's somebody else sitting on their couch. Helen might be in England, you know, doing the same thing. And, the, you know, um, you know, just knowing that there's somebody else out there that really, 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 truly knows what I can't describe that they feel. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, I, I had, I I was having it before, obviously before diagnosis, I was feeling extremely tired, even in the morning after waking up, I'd go to the customers, have to drive on the motorway and I feel quite ashamed. I was having to put the windows down, drink coffee to keep myself awake. And I would just hope that there would be no traffic jams because that would I would need even more concentration um, and it was very hard because my husband said to me that well, he said are you seeing worse now you've been diagnosed but I said well actually I wasn't I didn't tell him how how tired I was but you just think it's just because you've got a busy life yeah. and you just you've got to do these things so you just try and do them but it's quite scary actually knowing how much I was pushing myself and knowing what it is now I could have easily killed myself just pushing pushing trying to push through it um but you do just think well I've just got to get on with it and just push myself and keep going and it'll get better a bit like a cold you just think it's going to get better but obviously knowing now you know it's it's not you've got to pay attention (laughs) and I think um you know what your husband said about pre-diagnosis and now and I you know I think like pre-diagnosis, you kind of get into the state of just existing. Yeah. Right. Like you're just kind of on the same level all the time because you can't go up and down. And now once you start to get treated and back to life, we can go through that. I seem, you know, like my old self and now I'm low again. Now I'm back to my old yeah. self and then I'm low again. Where yeah. before, you were just kind of probably in that state of just trying to survive and you didn't realize you were in survival mode. Yeah. You didn't know what was going on. So they got used to over the years, this this demeanor that you had and it was actually the illness and now that you're you know now you're fluctuating with with the illness yeah 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 and it's funny because you said did I have any other symptoms and I didn't again realize at the time but my hair wasn't really growing uh, yeah I wasn't shaving um yeah you know <laughs> my legs and that had stopped and and now that's starting to come back a little bit yeah. which is actually a pain because I've got used to yeah. that <laughs> But my hair is actually starting to grow again now and thicken, which it wasn't at yeah. all. Um, and the, but again, I just thought it was just my age and just one of those things. And yeah, <laughs> no, I same thing. So if you're listening to this and you don't have hair on your legs, 
or someplace else. It, that's the Addison's disease. Your body's saying, you know what? I don't have the strength to grow hair. And I remember the first time after I was diagnosed, it had been a couple of years and I remember driving and, and I held up my arm and I got all excited because I could see these little white hairs back on my arms. I'm like, hey, I'm getting better. So those are signs when we go back to, you know, like you said, some of the annoying things in life that are normal. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, those those are now your body saying you're getting better. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. that's about hair, hair is the least it needs, isn't it? it, it was, so it's it shutting was, down you and know just what? trying yeah. to keep you going. Yeah, but the, the heart and the brain function and the blood pressure was a priority of growing hair on your legs and everywhere, you know. So, you know, and on your head and all those places. So the sign that your body's saying, you know what, I have the energy and I, I, I have the resources now that, you know what, we're, we're going to go back a little bit to normal. And unfortunately, we're never always, we're never always going to be in perfect homeostasis and, and, and stuff like that, because our bodies are always going to be trying to balance itself and not be perfect inside. Um, but yeah, as we have, we have symptoms of getting sick and not feeling well and low cortisol now and the ups and downs of that um yeah. work really hard at your nutrition and loving your body and then yeah. and then start looking for those little you know positive annoyances <laughs> that are <completely laughs> yeah. you know um you know like I'm starting to get like chin hairs and stuff and I'm like hey is that the DHEA I'm taking or is that just you know menopause is it you know <laughs> you know <laughs> kind of want to go back to that no hair thing again um yeah <laughs> but you know what it's a sign that my body's doing what it's supposed to do and yeah. that's really, really important. And if it's doing what it's supposed to do, then that means my quality of life is better. And that's, um, and not only is my quality of life a better, we are farther away from the potential of a crisis, right? The stronger you yeah. are, the healthier you are, the, the better yeah. you and rest and take care of yourself. Um, we're just steps farther and farther away from that crisis. So if something happens, we're, strong, we're stronger to fight it. Yeah. And, being able to deal but, with it. And that's what we got to be prepared for. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that's what you say. I think because I was pretty fit and obviously ate, ate well and I, I think that's probably what kept me going longer than if I hadn't. Um, it gave my body the ability to fight it yeah, for yeah. longer, which I don't know whether it's a good thing or not really, but um, it, no, it kept going. I completely agree with you. And I think I was exactly the same way of my diagnosis and you didn't get to the point of a crisis in your diagnosis. So um, now I know you've mentioned you've had like some ups and downs where you've been going into a crisis mode kind of thing, but you haven't had any major crisis. Do you have an emergency injection kit and all those things? Yeah, I've just, um, my doctor is very good. And I asked him, um, he gave me two and I asked him for a couple of extra. Um, so if one got, one got broke or I could put, I had, I told him I had a few extra kits, one for my work bag, one for my right. bag when I go out or take the dog a walk. Um, and so he gave me a couple of extra again. So I've bought these, um, I've had them made, their little um, plastic tubes that encase the capsule um, to keep it safe from breaking uh, because it's glass. So they, I've got one in my dog walking bag, one in my work bag, one in my bag I go shopping with, yep. and, 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 and in the house as well. So we've got one upstairs and I've got little kits with salt and electrodes, uh, electrolytes um, and needles and things yep. in case. So, um, yeah, so I've, I've got all of those and I feel safe to go out with them. I never go out with them now. Um, 
and they're right. always with me. We need to feel safe and confident when we go out. And I know I've heard from a lot of people, you know, endocrinologists will argue, well, you know, if you're not well, just go to the hospital and get your shot there. Yeah. You know, I've been yeah. in a parking lot before and I've almost got hit by a car. And I remember grabbing my purse thinking, you know, oh, if I would have got hit and broke my leg and it took, you know, paramedics, you know, whatever time to get, I would have probably needed that shot before I got into the hospital. So yeah. it's important, you know, I live in Canada, we could have a snowstorm and I might not be able to get to the hospital. No, I could be in a car accident. All, all these different scenarios could happen. Um, That's right. And it's so important too, if you don't have an injection kit to advocate yeah. for yourself, reach out yeah. to resources and get them to stand behind you on how important it is to have that. To keep safe. Yeah. And there's no guarantee when you get to hospital, they're going, they exactly. know what to do with you. So I've exactly. got a hospital pack just in case. Um, but I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> That's okay. Um, my, that, that was it. The, the specialist who diagnosed me, he said, you don't need to take emergency kit out with you because you only take it if you're physically sick and can't keep your hydrocortisone down but obviously with the Addison self-help group and, and that I've realized that no I do need to take it I try and get as much information as I can about it and um, it, it's that's not just the case as if you're physically sick it's um, and when I told him that I was having these shakes and couldn't breathe and couldn't move he said oh that's not an adrenal crisis which you know it is the start of I know now so um I, I always make sure I've got my stuff with me and I think you have to be self-aware and, and and try and learn as much as you can because the specialists don't always know that that's not not that all of them don't I know a lot of them you know are very good but there's a lot of them that still don't so you've got to find out the information yourself. Yeah, no, I, yeah. and you've done an amazing job of that. And, you know, just being, you know, obviously, you know, when you're diagnosed with an illness, it's very overwhelming. Like you said, going for a glaucoma, you wanted to fix the glaucoma. You weren't expecting <laughs> that it was going to lead to this in a few years, but it did. Yeah. And you've yeah. done it with an amazing positive attitude and oh. um, which is very inspiring. And you can, you know, you can tell the difference in the quality of life in the future that you're going to have with this illness, you know, simply because of that. And, you know, which doesn't mean that you're not going to have hard days and frustrating days, but, um, but always coming back to that, that gratitude and realizing that, you know, you've been given a second chance at life. And, yeah. and I think that's something that we all need to take a moment and realize that, you know, how challenging this is and the ups and downs. Um, yeah if we didn't have what we have, even though we wish we had more to manage this illness, we wouldn't be here. No, I think it's not just yourself as well. I think, you know, it's who, who the, the people who love you as well, that obviously it affects because my daughters, I know it must've been scary for them when I've started to go into these crises. Um, and obviously for my husband, he's having to drive me to my customers at the moment because it just gets so tired. I can't, do the whole lot so he drives for me and sometimes I was starting to feel better and be awake and then uh, last week I've been nodding off on the way there and nodding off on the way back home <laughs> I, I thought I'd got past that stage and then I just got to the point where I just couldn't keep my eyes open again so yeah. he's he's been I've been very lucky that he can actually drive me and um, he's 
very good. He sets the alarm so I can have my hydrocortisone in the morning. So just changed my dosage a little bit because I was starting to feel very sick in the morning mm -hmm. when I was waking up. So I take another one. I've split my last my last two. So I have it a little bit later to try and keep me going through the night a bit easier. Um, so it's it's all a big learning. <laughs> well, and, and like we said, the the more you start living again and doing more, you're going to burn through that cortisol. The you know, with my journey, you know, as I started to do that, we had to tweak my dosage and listen to the body and and just slowly take those steps forwards as you learn what what is best for your lifestyle and your yeah. expectations of life, right? And keep pushing. Yeah to get there and but just yeah. do it safely and gently and lovingly with yourself because yeah you're gonna dip you're gonna have these lows and um and you're gonna like you said you're gonna think okay you know I've gotten over this but you know I find the time period between those dips just slowly got longer and longer right yeah like, you know where before they were a little bit more frequent and then the time span the time lapse got a little bit longer and then and then you'd be like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's here gone go. and it's back again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely a lot better, I think, than what I was when I was first diagnosed. But I'm still, I've still got a long way to go. Um, and I still get, you know, tired in the afternoon. And uh, I went out into the garden yesterday for the first time and started putting the stuff to bed for the winter and things. And I've had started to feel tired so I learned left it mm -hmm. but before I couldn't mow the lawn we've, we've only got a small piece of lawn a lot of it's potted plants but it would take me four four goes I'd have to keep sitting down to actually mow it now I can do it in one go um so each little bit that you get it's a victory yeah and yeah and that's actually the word I was just going to use you got to see those as victories and it's kind yeah. of it's like yay I can cut my grass <laughs> <laughs> in one go <laughs> you know, wow in one go you know that and get excited yeah. about that and then you have that moment going oh wow you know that's exciting in my life that I can but it is exciting because yeah. it's another sign and it's just you know we have to just realize we're you know when you're first diagnosed you're at the ground floor and you just got to take yeah. those baby steps and yeah and returning to life is the first victory and then um and seeing those changes happen because it's a sign of your body saying I can do this now because I'm better I'm healthier I'm stronger and yeah I think we just need to hold on to that we're stronger now we're strong yeah I'm gonna go yeah. low but I did more so I'm stronger so next time I'm gonna be a little yeah. bit stronger and yeah uh, and that you can just keep pushing forward and you've made like I said amazing headway in the last three months so good for you good for you <laughs> But I can I can actually walk the dog a little bit further now without getting, having to sit down. Yeah. And and you know and I think it's something you know it's an invisible illness for you know everyone you know in our lives and but in some some ways it's an invisible illness to us even though we can feel that but we still look at that outside shell of you know and we hope that we can just do what we used to do and yeah um, but we just need to remind ourselves to you know, take a step back, listen to our body. Yeah. I think it's great that you, you know, you stop already and you kind of stop and, you know, recharge your battery so that you can yeah. get back to life and, and listen and listen to what's going on. And I think that's yeah. definitely a skill that you had pre-diagnosis. Like you said, that's probably, you know, probably maybe prolong the diagnosis because you were able to manage it and survive and, you know, strong symptoms didn't come, but it also probably saved your life and gave you that second chance. Yeah, yeah.
<laughs> well, I think I am so grateful that you are um, sharing your positive attitude and your journey with us. And um, I know you're not going to give up. No this illness keep and, and you're going to keep fighting and, and have an amazing life with it and be an amazing role model for your family as well. So, uh -oh. um, which is, I think another one of those things being grateful, you know, find gratitude in the hard stuff. And yeah, one thing I think, you know, when we're proactive about our illness and we, and we fight as hard as we can, we can be amazing role models and, and especially the children in our lives can learn so much about themselves and how to, you know, manage any challenge that they might come across. And, and, yeah. uh, and that's a gift. I know, I hope I've given to my children. So. Yeah. Yeah. You want them to be able to be strong and that there's, you know, they know how to help me now. And, um, I just hope they never have to do an injection for me. But, uh, but I, I think it helps them. I think it's pretty scary for them as well. And, you know, you try and be positive, but you can have lapses yourself as well. And um, you have to try and accept that this is the new you. Right. <laughs> You're a different person, yeah. a slightly different person to what you were before because you, you've got to manage the Addisons. But... Um, you just I do have things where I, I you feel out of control you know you, you <laughs> but then yeah. it is it is trying to keep control of the things that you can control um exactly, exactly. Yeah. and even like you say even you know all the effort that you put in to take care of your illness like you said how important it is for them you don't want them to do an injection for you unless it's absolutely necessary you don't want them to lose their mom because of this illness no and so i've got to try and look after myself to, to so that doesn't happen so yeah. we gotta pull, pull up our big girl socks and we gotta you know take yeah. the business that's right it. so yeah right so, <laughs> Best so and that's, forward. And that's exactly <laughs> what you're doing so um so thank you so much again for joining us here in the thank you, truly truly appreciate your time and you sharing your story with us because i know it was important for someone to hear your message today yeah. Thank you, Jill. It's been lovely to speak to you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much again for joining us here in the pickle jar. And if you would like to share your story like Helen has with us today, please send me an email at thepicklejar at rogers.com. Or you can go to my website, chronicallyfitcanada.com, where you can um, click on some links and it adjusts for time zones and all that crazy stuff that we have to deal with. Because the more we can get on this podcast, I really truly think that this is this is part of our voice in change. This is part of our voice in change, educating the educators that are supposed to be educating us because um, one of the biggest pieces of advice my family doctor ever gave me was he reminded me over and over again, he's like, you're the doctor here. You know, we're, we're, we're learning from you guys and you, you need to be the voice. And if you don't trust what's going on, you need to be that voice because you live with this 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you know, you know your body. So please trust your instincts and please fight for what, for what you want, that quality of life with living with Addison's disease. Because I truly believe that we don't deserve just to exist with Addison's disease. We deserve to live with it. So, so thank you again, my friends. And until next time, please be well, my pickles.